This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Appreciations and Criticisms of the Works of Charles Dickens by G. K. Chesterton Section 29, Chapter 22, Edwin Drood Pickwick was a work partly designed by others, but ultimately filled up by Dickens. Edwin Drood, the last book, was a book designed by Dickens, but ultimately filled up by others. The Pickwick papers showed how much Dickens could make out of other people's suggestions. The mystery of Edwin Drood shows how very little other people can make out of Dickens' suggestion. Dickens was meant by heaven to be the great melodramatist, so that even his literary end was melodramatic. Something more seems hinted at in the cutting short of Edwin Drood by Dickens than the mere cutting short of a good novel by a great man. It seems rather like the last haunt of some elf leaving the world that it should be this story which is not ended, this story which is only a story. The only one of Dickens' novels which he did not finish was the only one that really needed finishing. He never had but one thoroughly good plot to tell, and that he has only told in heaven. This is what separates the case in question from any parallel cases of novelists cut off in the act of creation. That great novelist, for instance, with whom Dickens is constantly compared, died also in the middle of Dennis Duval. But anyone can see in Dennis Duval the qualities of the later work of Thackeray, the increasing discursiveness, the increasing retrospective poetry, which had been in part the charm and in part the failure of Philip and the Virginians. But to Dickens it was permitted to die at a dramatic moment, and to leave a dramatic mystery. Any Thackerayan could have completed the plot of Dennis Duval, except indeed that a really sympathetic Thackerayan might have had some doubt as to whether there was any plot to complete. But Dickens, having had far too little plot in his stories previously, had far too much plot in the story he never told. Dickens dies in the act of telling not his tenth novel, but his first news of murder. He drops down dead as he is in the act of denouncing the assassin. It is permitted to Dickens, in short, to come to a literary end, as strange as his literary beginning. He began by completing the old romance of travel. He ended by inventing the new detective story. It is as a detective story first and last that we have to consider the mystery of Edwin Drood. This does not mean, of course, that the details are not often admirable in their swift and penetrating humor. To say that of the book would be to say that Dickens did not write it. Nothing could be truer, for instance, than the manner in which the dazed and drunken dignity of Durdles illustrates a certain bitterness at the bottom of the bewilderment of the poor. Nothing could be better than the way in which the haughty and elusive conversation between Miss Twinkleton and the landlady illustrates the maddening preference of some females for skating upon thin social ice. There is an even better example than these of the original humorous inside of Dickens, and one not very often remarked because of its brevity and its unimportance in the narrative. But Dickens never did anything better than the short account of Mr. Grugia's dinner being brought from the tavern by two waiters, 
a stationary waiter and a flying waiter the flying waiter brought the food and the stationary waiter quarrelled with him the flying waiter brought glasses and the stationary waiter looked through them finally it will be remembered the stationary waiter left the room casting a glance which indicated let it be understood that all emoluments are mine and that nil is the reward of this slave still dickens wrote the book as a detective story he wrote it as the mystery of edwin drood and alone perhaps among detective story writers he never lived to destroy his mystery here alone then among dickens novels it is necessary to speak of the plot and of the plot alone and when we speak of the plot it becomes immediately necessary to speak of the two or three standing explanations which celebrated critics have given of the plot the story so far as it was written by dickens can be read here it describes as will be seen the disappearance of the young architect edwin drood after a night of festivity which was supposed to celebrate his reconciliation with the temporary enemy neville landless and was held at the house of his uncle john jasper dickens continued the tale long enough to explain or explode the first and most obvious of his riddles long before the existing part terminates it has become evident that drood has been put away not by his obvious opponent landless but by his uncle who professes for him an almost painful affection the fact that we all know this however ought not in fairness to blind us to the fact that considered as the first fraud in a detective story it has been with great skill at once suggested and concealed nothing for instance could be cleverer as a piece of artistic mystery than the fact that jasper the uncle always kept his eyes fixed on drood's face with a dark and watchful tenderness the thing is so told that at first we really take it as only indicating something morbid in the affection it is only afterwards that the frightful fancy breaks upon us that it is not morbid affection but morbid antagonism this first mystery which is no longer a mystery of jasper's guilt is only worth remarking because it shows that dickens meant and felt himself able to mask all his batteries with real artistic strategy and artistic caution the manner of the unmasking of jasper marks the manner and tone in which the whole tale was to be told here we have not got to do with dickens simply giving himself away as he gave himself away in pickwick or the christmas carol not that one complains of him giving himself away there was no better gift what was the mystery of edwin drood from dickens point of view we shall never know except perhaps from dickens in heaven and then he will very likely have forgotten but the mystery of edwin drood from our point of view from that of his critics and those who have with some courage after his death attempted to be his collaborators is simply this there is no doubt that jasper either murdered drood or supposed that he had murdered him this certainly we have from the fact that it is the whole point of a scene between jasper and drood's lawyer grugius in which jasper is struck down with remorse when he realizes that drood has been killed from his point of view needlessly and without profit the only question is whether jasper's remorse was as needless as his murder in other words the only question is whether while he certainly thought he had murdered drood he had really done it it need hardly be said that such a doubt would not have been raised for nothing 
gentlemen like jasper do not as a rule waste good remorse except upon successful crime the origin of the doubt about the real death of drood is this towards the latter end of the existing chapters there appears very abruptly and with quite ostentatious air of mystery a character called datchery he appears for the purpose of spying upon jasper and getting up some case against him at any rate if he has not this purpose in the story he has no other earthly purpose in it he is an old gentleman of juvenile energy with a habit of carrying his hat in his hand even in the open air which some have interpreted as meaning that he feels the unaccustomed weight of a wig now there are one or two people in the story who this person might possibly be notably there is one person in the story who seems as if he were meant to be something but who hitherto has certainly been nothing i mean bazard mr grugius clerk a sulky fellow interested in theatricals of whom an unnecessary fuss is made there is also mr grugius himself and there is also another suggestion so much more startling that i shall have to deal with it later for the moment however the point is this that ingenious writer mr proctor started the highly plausible theory that this datchery was drood himself who had not really been killed he adduced a most complex and complete scheme covering nearly all the details but the strongest argument he had was rather one of general artistic effect this argument has been quite perfectly summed up by mr andrew lang in one sentence if edwin drood is dead there is not much mystery about him this is quite true dickens when writing in so deliberate nay dark and conspiratorial a manner would surely have kept the death of drood and the guilt of jasper hidden a little longer if the only real mystery had been the guilt of jasper and the death of drood it certainly seems artistically more likely that there was a further mystery of edwin drood not the mystery that he was murdered but the mystery that he was not murdered it is true indeed that mr cumming walters has a theory of datchery to which i have already darkly alluded a theory which is wild enough to be the centre not only of any novel but of any harlequinade but the point is that even mr cumming walters theory though it makes the mystery more extraordinary does not make it any more of a mystery of edwin drood it should not have been called the mystery of edwin drood but the mystery of datchery this is the strongest case for proctor if the story tells of drood coming back as datchery the story does at any rate fulfil the title upon its title page the principal objection to proctor's theory is that there seems no adequate reason why jasper should not have murdered his nephew if he wanted to and there seems even less reason why drood if unsuccessfully murdered should not have raised the alarm happy young architects when nearly strangled by elderly organists do not generally stroll away and come back some time afterwards in a wig with a false name superficially it would seem almost as odd to find the murderer investigating the origin of the murder to find the corpse investigating it to this problem two of the ablest literary critics of our time mr andrew lang and mr william archer both of them persuaded generally of the proctor theory have specially addressed themselves both have come to the same substantial conclusion and i suspect that they are right they hold that jasper 
whose mania for opium is much insisted on in the tale, had some sort of fit or trance or other physical seizure as he was committing the crime, so that he left it unfinished. And they also hold that he had drugged Drood, so that Drood, when he recovered from the attack, was doubtful about who had been his assailant. This might really explain, if a little fancifully, his coming back into town in the character of a detective. He might think it due his uncle, whom he last remembered in a kind of murderous vision, to make an independent investigation as to whether he was really guilty or not. He might say, as Hamlet said of a vision equally terrifying, I'll have grounds more relative than this. In fairness, it must be said that there is something vaguely shaky about this theory. Chiefly, I think, in this respect, that there is a sort of farcical cheerfulness about Datchery which does not seem altogether appropriate to a lad who ought to be in an agony of doubt as to whether his best friend was or was not his assassin. Still, there are many such incongruities in Dickens, and the explanation of Mr. Archer and Mr. Lang is an explanation. I do not believe that any explanation as good can be given to account for the tale being called The Mystery of Edwin Drood, if the tale practically starts with his corpse. If Drood is really dead, one cannot help feeling the story ought to end where it does, and not by accident, but by design. The murder is explained, Jasper is ready to be hanged, and everyone else in a decent novel ought to be ready to be married. If there was much more of anything, it must have been of an anticlimax. Nevertheless, there are degrees of anticlimax. Some of the more obvious explanations of Datchery are quite reasonable, but they are distinctly tame. For instance, Datchery may be Bazard, but it is not very exciting if he is, for we know nothing about Bazard and care less. Again, he might be Grugius, but there is something pointless about one grotesque character dressing up as another grotesque character, actually less amusing than himself. Now Mr. Cumming Walters has at least had the distinction of inventing a theory which makes the story at least an interesting story, even if it is not exactly the story that is promised on the cover of the book. The obvious enemy of Drood, on whom suspicion first falls, the swarthy and sulky Landless, has a sister even swarthier, and, except for her queenly dignity, even sulkier than he. This barbaric princess is evidently meant to be, in a sombre way, in love with Crisparkle, the clergyman and muscular Christian, who represents the breezy element in the emotions of the tale. Mr. Cumming Walters seriously maintains that it is this barbaric princess who puts on a wig and dresses up as Mr. Datchery. He urges his case with much ingenuity of detail. Helena Landless certainly had a motive, to save her brother, who was accused falsely by accusing Jasper justly. She certainly had some of the faculties. It is elaborately stated in the earlier part of her story that she was accustomed as a child to dress up in male costume and run into the wildest adventures. There may be something in Mr. Cumming Walter's argument that the very flippancy of Datchery is the self-conscious flippery of a strong woman in such an odd situation. Certainly there is the same flippancy in Portia and in Rosalind. Nevertheless, I think there is one final objection to the theory, and that is simply this, that it is comic. It is generally wrong to represent a great master of the grotesque as being grotesque exactly where he does not intend to be. 
and I am persuaded that if Dickens had really meant Helena to turn into Datchery, he would have made her from the first in some way more light, eccentric, and laughable. He would have made her at least as light and laughable as Rosa. As it is, there is something strangely stiff and incredible about the idea of a lady so dark and dignified dressing up as a swaggering old gentleman in a blue coat and grey trousers. We might almost as easily imagine Edith Dombrey dressing up as Major Bagstock. We might almost as easily imagine Rebecca in Ivanhoe dressing up as Isaac of York. Of course, such a question can never really be settled precisely, because it is the question not merely of a mystery but of a puzzle. For here the detective novel differs from every other kind of novel. The ordinary novelist desires to keep his readers to the point. The detective novelist actually desires to keep his readers off the point. In the first case, every touch must help to tell the reader what he means. In the second case, most of the touches must conceal or even contradict what he means. You are supposed to see and appreciate the smallest gestures of a good actor, but you do not see all the gestures of a conjurer, if he is a good conjurer. Hence, into the critical estimate of such works as this, there is introduced a problem, an extra perplexity, which does not exist in other cases. I mean the problem of the things commonly called blinds. Some of the points which we pick out as suggestive may have been put in as deceptive, Thus the whole conflict between a critic with one theory, like Mr. Lang, and a critic with another theory, like Mr. Cummings Walter, becomes eternal, and a trifle farcical. Mr. Walter says that all Mr. Lang's clues were blinds. Mr. Lang says that all Mr. Walter's clues were blinds. Mr. Walters can say that some passages seem to show that Helena was Datchery. Mr. Lang can reply that those passages were only meant to deceive pimple people, like Mr. Walter's into supposing that she was Datchery. Similarly, Mr. Lang can say that the return of Drood is foreshadowed, and Mr. Walters can reply that it was foreshadowed because it was never meant to come off. There seems no end to this insane process. Anything that Dickens wrote may or may not mean the opposite of what it says. Upon this principle I should be very ready for one to declare that all the suggested Datcheries were really blinds merely because they can naturally be suggested. I would undertake to maintain that Mr. Datchery is really Miss Twinkleton, who has a mercenary interest in keeping Rosa Budd at her school. This suggestion does not seem to me to be really much more humorous than Mr. Cummings Walter's theory. Yet either may certainly be true. Dickens is dead, and a number of splendid scenes and startling adventures have died with him. Even if we get the right solution, we shall not know that it is right. The tale might have been, and yet it has not been. And I think there is no thought so much calculated to make one doubt death itself, to feel that sublime doubt which has created all religion, the doubt that found death incredible. Edwin Drood may or may not have really died, but surely Dickens did not really die. Surely our real detective liveth, and shall appear in the latter days of the earth. For a finished tale may give a man immortality in the light and literary sense. But an unfinished tale suggests another immortality, more essential and more strange.
The end of section 29, chapter 22, Edwin Drood.